Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. Well, it's all Welcome indeed to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Great to be here today, as always. Have a guest in the booth with us. Not just any old guest, though. It happens to be her birthday today, and <laughs> someone who I go pretty far back with as far as my dog training career goes, Cora Whittakind, is here with us in the booth. Cora, welcome. Hello. I am thrilled to be here. <laughs> so you're visiting from L.A., uh, which is where you reside, and uh, you have a business down there called Prestigious Pooch, where you do similar to what I do. Do you do private lessons and stuff like that? Yeah, I do mostly private lessons and board and train. Okay for dog training and behavior. Um, Cora and I actually came from the same facility. Uh, we did our apprenticeship uh, f- from the same facility, the Academy of Canine Behavior up in Bothell. And uh, she came in just a couple years after I did, I think. When yeah, I was... you were a mentor of mine. Yeah. And I remember, I'll never forget that little dog that you was your project <laughs> dog. And I used to say that you two looked alike. Tucker. Mm-hmm. Little Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> Don't let that fool you about Cora because what we're going to, just because I said she looked like a Cocker Spaniel, just, it was really just the way you guys would like bop down the hall together. Yeah, I would hope that I don't necessarily have the personality <laughs> no. of a Cocker Spaniel. No. <laughs> um, so uh, we have a great, great conversation in store today with Cora. Um, happy birthday again. I uh, just have a couple of announcements before we get going. Natural Pet Pantry, one of our partners from the beginning, love them. They have a uh, event tomorrow night at their Kirkland location. Dr. Norbrega, who is a uh, holistic veterinarian, will be talking about just a general talk about holistic options for health for your pet and a lot of time for questions and answers. So if you have a dog or cat and you would like to take the opportunity to uh ask your questions. Maybe you have a specific health challenge and you're curious about uh, alternative possibilities outside of sort of the regular vets. Uh, This would be a great opportunity. It's at 7 p.m. tomorrow night, May 15th at the Natural Pet Pantry in Kirkland. And you can go on to their website to find out more information, which is naturalpetpantry.com. Wanted to send a shout out to our other partners, uh, Farm Dog Naturals, I have a I have two testimonials for them. Actually, we've had our our old dog Haven dog Lois came up with a little uh, like abrasion sort of hot spot kind of looking patch of skin right at the base of her tail, like right above her her bum. And uh, <clears throat> I just noticed it one day when she was going up the stairs in front of me, and I was like, "What the heck? Where did that come from?" She'd never had skin problems before, and I thought, ooh, this is going to give me an opportunity to use uh, Farm Dog Naturals because they have two different salves, uh, one called Salvation and one called Restore. So I put some Salvation on that abrasion and within, and I um, took some pictures, which I'll post in a few weeks on our Facebook page so you can see the difference. Within just a couple of days, that skin was looking um, almost mostly healed entirely, which was awesome. So I was super psyched about that. And then... Um, more recently, uh, she ran into our B-I-T-C-H, Telly, the female cattle dog. Uh, the two older ladies uh, sometimes exchange words about things. And uh, um, anyway, she got a laceration beneath her eye, 
which was kind of deep. And I, I was like, oh, I don't know. I called Dr. Anderson at Jet City Animal Clinic and just kind of talked to her about it. And I was like, well, I think she'll be okay because I have Farm Dog Naturals' other product, which is called Restore. And I was talking in depth with Rita Hogan, one of the owners of the company, about how to use it. And it's for wounds. Then you just sort of pack it into the wound and, um, you know, do the hot compresses and keep it packed so that it, it keeps it open and draining. And so I've been doing that, and it's looking really awesome. So I'm really just totally jazzed about this company. FarmDogNaturals.com is the website. And they have um, other products. They have a household cleaner that's awesome. They have a aromatherapy formula called Relax that really helps to calm dogs down. So check them out. If your dog has any sort of skin issues or if you're if there's a patch of hair that needs to grow back or hot spots or um, I know Cora and I were talking about like radiation burns, mm-hmm. stuff like that, this would be a really great thing to, to check out. So that's farmdognaturals.com. Um, they're awesome. I'm really excited to try that actually with my yeah. dogs who are both going through cancer treatments. Yeah. And going on and off of prednisone and it causes a lot of skin issues. Mm-hmm which has been horrible because then she has to go on antibiotics to counter that. Yes. So trying something more natural is usually the better way to go with things like that. So right. I'm really excited about that. Good. Um, and then I also was telling you about Canna Companion, who I interviewed a couple weeks ago. You can uh, definitely recommend um, checking out that interview in our archives. Um, we've had amazing like I'm blown away by the success we've had with Lois uh, with their product and so I'm like telling everybody about it for all sorts of different types of things Um, it's really really amazing so yeah I'm really excited about that I mean you know how your pets are like your family and especially you have your soul dog that is everything to you and you hate to see them suffer that something that can give them relief without the side effects is something that's very exciting. Yeah, I think you're going to notice a big difference with that. And let me know. I definitely will. Yeah. Okay, so um, Cora is is in town visiting, and and, uh, we were talking a month or so ago, maybe two months ago, even about having you come on the show when you were in town. And you post, um, so you have a Facebook page for your training um, business, which is Prestigious Pooch. That's how people can find you on Facebook and also your website, which is prestigiouspooch.com. And, but um, we're also personally friends on Facebook. And in real life. And in real life. <laughs> I know, right? We're actually in person now too. Um, and you post, are always posting these videos about you kicking, uh, I don't know if, if I can swear um, <laughs> on the radio, but you're kicking some serious butt doing like boxing. And then now you're doing this other thing that I don't know how to pronounce. Muay Thai. Which is like a martial art sort of. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I'm always like, oh, yeah, get it. You know, like, oh, it's like so fun <laughs> to see you um, see you doing this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that looks like so much fun. And and of course, your profession is working with dog training and behavior. And I have talked a bit on the show before, and I've written a lot about this in the book that I just finished, which we're in editing right now. So definitely stay tuned about that. But about my experience with my practice dancing and how it really complements my work, how it complements my work and how I think my work complements my dance practice, because both are uh, arts of nonverbal communication. And so I'd asked you you know, how has or do you think that your practice with 
boxing and martial arts, you know, how has that helped you with your work with dogs or, or you know, the other way around? Well, I think that the martial arts in particular has been very beneficial. And it's mostly about working with energy, which, of course, working with animals is all about energy and nonverbal communication. And it really forces you to be in the moment and not thinking so much about, oh, I need to you know, get ready for this meeting. I need to you know, pick the kids up from school later or whatever. You have to be in the moment because if you're not, in martial arts or boxing, you will get hit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also with dogs. I mean, they can pick up on that immediately if you're yeah. not in the moment with them. And it can ruin a session. It can ruin your relationship. Mm-hmm. And so it's helped me a lot to just be more present mm-hmm. because we all get wrapped up into the everyday stuff. But our dogs have nothing to do but to focus on us. Mm-hmm. And because now they don't, most cases, we've taken away the jobs from dogs. And so they're, we are their source of entertainment. We're their source of providing a job for them and exercise. So if we're not present with them, it's not really going to be a really beneficial session with them. Yeah. I'm sure in your coaching of the human part of the equation, uh, you as I, um, I'm sure, are talk about that a lot with your clients and and sort of I mean, one of the things I think is the easiest to see is how 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 fast people talk and how much people talk and da 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 sit 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 mm-hmm. sit 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 and it's like whoa okay hold on hold on slow down breathe ask once and then listen yeah right but it's interesting because dogs aren't verbal so how do we listen to them? If they're not talking to us, we have to tune in in other ways, which I think is like with especially martial arts, Mm -hmm. you are fully tuned in to everything, all of the nonverbal stuff. Yeah, definitely. And it's having a respect for the person that you are sparring with or that you are learning from. And it's the same thing with the owner and their dog and their relationship with each other is having that respect for each other. It's not about what we talked about earlier and sure we'll talk more about is the ego. Yeah. Uh, I said sit so you need to sit because you have to respect me. Yeah. It's not about that. Yeah. It's about having that trusting relationship with each other and slowing down like you said and with the dogs communicating with them in another way through body language and through your energy and not having that crazy frantic energy, which, you know, walking into a client's house, we pick up on immediately. Mm-hmm. We're like, whoa, your dog is picking up on your energy. And that's why they are crazy bouncing off the walls or they're very untrusting of people because they don't have that stable uh, environment that they need because the owner isn't providing that because they have so much instability and crazy energy in their life. Mm-hmm. So, as you know, it's about communicating with the owner first and getting them to be more centered and more calm before they can even interact with their dog. Sometimes you need to remove them from the dog mm-hmm. in order to make their relationship better. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting to see how dogs respond off of their humans and, and to sort of coach that, uh, coach that dynamic and, and bring um, one of the, the main points of my book is that working with dogs, learning how to communicate with dogs um, 
is such an opportunity for us to gain self-awareness in a way that can positively impact all of our relationships. If oh, you, yeah. Right? So if you sort of clean up your relationship with your dog, you're going to see a lot about yourself that you can really apply to other relationships in life, whether it be, pers- you know, in, in the home or at work or there's just so much there. And I think mm-hmm. one of the things that you touched on, which is I get into a lot is um, and talk with people a lot is like, and I'm sure you come across this too, is this um, like collapse that we've had with it's where it's like, it's not like, okay, you know, do this. Cause I said, so, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. not like, that intimidation, you know, oh, I have to, I know I have to be alpha. Yeah. Which, the alpha rule. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, okay, no, you don't like, let's, you know, there's no, nobody needs to be a jerk to anybody else while we're, while we're doing this, mm-hmm. you know, but it also doesn't mean that it's like all entirely positive and you don't ever say no yeah. because there, you do, we are the ones responsible for the dogs. It's like a, more of a parent-child dynamic than anything else, but that to find, to be able to hold both of those at the same time and not just swing from sort of militant training, like do it or else kind Mm -hmm. of mentality to kind of not swing all the way over the other way and just not set any limits. Yeah, definitely. And just like in relationships and with each other and interhuman relationships is healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. That's really important with any relationship. You don't want with your partner to have them just railroad you and do everything that they say because they say it or vice versa of just doing what they want because you feel like you need to do that or they're not going to like you anymore. Totally. But having those boundaries of saying, being able to say no mm-hmm. and creating some space too. Mm-hmm. It's like we talk about Velcro dogs a lot as mm-hmm. trainers. It's not uh, so much about having the dog with you all the time because we're insecure mm-hmm. or because we feel like they need to be next to us at all times because we need to uh, control everything that they do. But we want them to be independent. We want them to be confident. But it's about them wanting to follow us because they trust us. Mm-hmm. Have you, um, I know I've definitely come across this uh found some people who are afraid to set a boundary with their dog because they're afraid that their dog won't like them. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and it's so much about them yeah. that they need to do some soul searching about what that means about them. Yeah. About being afraid to say no because they think that someone or their dog isn't going to like them anymore and that they're going to hurt their feelings. Mm-hmm. And that once they start becoming more confident themselves as an owner, the dog is going to respond to them much better. I think that it's um, one of the things that really helps people when I'm explaining to them. And if there's some deep emotional stuff there for them around boundaries and self-esteem and whatever else is going on, you know, I can only do so much in, in our dog training yeah. session. How, but that said, I've had I've witnessed people have really big breakthroughs around mm-hmm. where they'll see, oh, my gosh, I do this in everywhere in life. Mm-hmm. And it will be through their relationship with their dog that they were actually able to gain that insight. So but um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, it's that the dog in the owner's relationship is a reflection of their relationships overall. Yeah. And how they interact with people. 
Oh, I remember what it is, is uh, explaining to them that when you are negating a behavior, you're just communicating like no about that behavior. Like, no, I'm you know, like you, one way that you could say it would be like, I'm rejecting that you are jumping all over me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I don't that you are bad. Mm-hmm. The whole dog. It's the behavior. And they get that. It's, you know, dogs correct each other all the time. Mm-hmm. So to say that they don't understand corrections is not honoring them as the animals who they are or giving them enough credit. Oh, yeah, definitely. They're much more intelligent than that. Yeah. But it's like uh, it's that. And so timing, of course, is really, really important. And there's a lot of responsibility that does come with setting boundaries. But um, when done well, you'll see actually dogs respond positively to it. Um, but then they also understand that it's. The behavior of that is not okay. It's not that they as a whole dog are like, I don't right. love you anymore. Right. <laughs> you know. And in the beginning of training, when we do our first session, usually with a client, we go over explaining dog behavior. We go over the commands. We go over what they want from their dog. And people, a lot of the time, will get overwhelmed with the first session because they're like, oh, my God, this is so much information. I've been doing this wrong. And you usually see that real revelation in the beginning of like oh my god I let my dog down Mm. I've been doing everything wrong Mm -hmm. and most people think oh it's too late to change that relationship Mm -hmm. but trying to simplify it and just like what you're saying is giving boundaries is a healthy thing but it also takes on responsibility of the owner to make sure that it's done in a healthy way yeah that it's not saying that you're a bad dog or I don't like you anymore uh, I need to take control of my home again by, you know, whatever horrible way that some people will do. Yeah. Um, but just doing it and taking responsibility and yeah. knowing that it can be done in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. But I've seen that a lot with my clients. The first session is that they're like, oh, my God, I've let my dog down. Yeah. Well, it's hard because there's no reg- we were talking about this before the show. And actually, we should take a break. And then we, maybe we'll come back and, and get into this about how there's no rate. Well, there is some there's not really any regulation for this work. So I meet people all the time where they're like, I've we've done all this reading and we've, you know, read all these books and talked to all these people. And then they just end up more confused mm-hmm. because there's so much information yeah. out there. So it's kind of hard to know. And every dog is so different, too. So, mm-hmm. you know. All right, well, let's take a quick break. Let me just give out Cora's information if you want to find her online. Cora Whittakin is her name, and her company is Prestigious Pooch. They have a Facebook page and also a website, prestigiouspooch.com. Uh, is where you can find her online. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. This is Julie Forbes. I'm excited to tell you about Farm Dog Naturals, a company that handcrafts herbal remedies for the all-natural dog. Quality and integrity are must-haves for anything that I recommend. Certified eco-friendly and cruelty-free, their products address issues like stress and anxiety, itching, hot spots, crusty noses, as well as pet urine, stains, and odor. Farm Dog Naturals is guaranteed, and I'm so happy with the results I'm seeing. Shipping is available worldwide from their website, farmdognaturals.com, or you can ask for them at a retailer near you. Again, that's farmdognaturals.com. 
This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to New Pro Supplements, we cover the world of animals. This week, May 22nd, it's an encore presentation of Animal World. Tune in to hear Jude and Paul Ponton from Whispering Dragon Center in Seattle work their magic with listeners using their harmonic energy shifting techniques. This was a busy show with animal and human issues and lots of great information for all. So join us for Martha Norwalk's Animal World Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh yeah, dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Get a grip on life with Alternative Talk 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. We're back with Cora Whittakind. She is the owner of Prestigious Pooch down in L.A., right? Yes. Prestigiouspooch.com is the website, and you can also find them on Facebook. And Cora also hosts co-hosts a podcast called The Psychic and the Trainer, and you can find out about that through her prestigious pooch pages. Both <laughs> prestigious pooch pages. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I had to really focus on that one, um, both on Facebook and online. Um, so you're no stranger to this sort of setup then? I am not, yeah. no. And we are kind of in flux with our radio stations right now. So that's why you can go to prestigious pooch Facebook page to find mm-hmm. more information about it. Uh, but it's a really interesting show. I am the trainer, to clarify, in The Psychic <laughs> and the Trainer. <laughs> I do have intuition with communicating with dogs, but on a different level. Yes. Um, whether you're a believer or not in the ability of psychic readings, mm-hmm. it's there's a lot of really good information that comes across. People call in with all sorts of behavioral problems um, with different animals, too. I mean, we had a person with a cow call in. <gasps> We've had Funny. cats, a lot of cats, mostly dogs, though. Yeah. So that's where my expertise plays in. And, you know, I can apply general animal behavior to understanding what motivates a cow's uh, behavior with a certain situation. Sure. Yeah. And so it's it's really interesting because people are calling in with all sorts of issues and yeah. just trying to problem solve them and help them out as much as possible. And yeah. most of the time you get some really major revelations yeah. on air. 
Do you ever, um, do you find that you and your co-host, that that you're pretty well in line? Or are there times when you're like, I disagree? Yeah, there are definitely times where I'm like, yeah, no, that's not why they're doing that. (laughs) (laughs) And then I will back it up with my reason why I believe that the dog is, you know, barking at their owner. It's not because there's, you know, some uh, other motivation behind it which could be what this the psychic had said Mm -hmm. but it can be so clear that it's just their relationship that needs work and really the tagline of the show is it the owner or is it the dog Mm -hmm. you know is it the parent or the or is it the pet parent or the pet who has the problems Mm -hmm. and you know most of the time it comes down to the owner Mm -hmm. having the issues yeah well we were talking a lot about how working with dogs and we both enjoy working with the human part of the equation. And there are plenty of uh, dog trainers or people who work with dog behavior who, and I think it's true for veterinarians or anyone really in the animal field who sort of are in that field because they don't really like working with people. Mm-hmm. And I, lo- I mean, I love, that's probably one of my favorite aspects of it is, is coaching people and the human part of it and kind of that bridge. Um, but I think it would be hard if if somebody had a hard time communicating with people because it's so much of the equation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much, I would say, about 75% of it a lot of the times with, uh, I mean, in L.A., it's a little bit different mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. But a lot of the ways that I've realized with my clients where they come to me and they say, here, fix my dog. Mm. I will give you money, take my dog, do a boot camp. I just want a dog that's trained at the end of it. Yeah. And I said, I will take your money, but it's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you that it's not going to work. Yeah. If you wanted to do that, sure, it's just wasting your money and it's wasting time. I will give the dog a great experience. But when the dog comes back to you, your relationship is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And so it's so much about what we we're talking about, the owner and the dog and their relationship But a lot of times in L.A., particularly, people just want to throw money at a problem. Yeah. And it's not going to work most cases. Yeah. So you meet so many interesting people in this field. Mm -hmm. And I never thought that I would be working with celebrities down in Los Angeles when I started Mm -hmm. dog training with you at the Academy in Bothell. Yeah, (laughs) I know. But it's been a really amazing experience, and I've learned so much just about myself, too, Yeah, by learning how to communicate better with people. Because just like each dog, each person is different, and you have to learn how to get through to them and how to communicate with them on their level. Yeah. We were talking a bit off off air, I think it was during the break, about appreciating how much we have evolved over the years in our profession. and um, <clears throat> And one of the things that I... I like about this work is that I'm I'm always learning still. Dogs will still surprise me. Mm-hmm. Not often, but they do. You know, sometimes they still surprise me or or they're just there there's always something to kind of figure out with an individual because it's an animal and they're all different just like people. Mm-hmm. Um but I was wondering, oh, and so then talking about like you had mentioned in the first segment today about that ego factor. Mm-hmm. And um, that would be something 
that if you're, you know, wherever you are in the country looking to work with a dog trainer, uh, you know, one of the things that I'll I'll recommend is that it's someone who's balanced between praise and correction, who first and foremost works with every dog as a unique individual rather than trying to fit every dog into one style of training. Sometimes mm-hmm. people say, what kind of training do you do? Oh, yeah, I get that question I'm all like, the time. I'm like, well, I don't do a kind of training. I need to meet the dog and, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. But but was that ego word again and that it's not like to allow yourself to continue to learn and not feel like you have to put off that you know everything about everything. No, I will constantly, like we were talking about, learn about myself, learn about dogs during the session. And you sometimes have to take a step back and be like, I don't understand what's happening right now. Um, I'm going to think about it. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it'll come to you later. The more that you think about the behavior and sometimes just removing the dog from the owner too can help a lot. But, um, getting rid of that ego. Nobody knows everything. I'm constantly going to seminars. And Mm -hmm. one thing about working for yourself is not having other trainers and behaviorists to bounce ideas off Mm -hmm. right away. So I will constantly call other people that I know, other dog trainers that I can sometimes take a step back from the case Mm -hmm. and have fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. And that can help a lot too. Yeah. It's a dog training is constant self-evaluation because they're always like it either what you're doing is working or it's not and it's going to show in the dog mm-hmm. so it's like if it's not working then you're not being effective so it's yeah. like you have to take a step back and look at what you're doing and look at what needs to be adjusted mm-hmm. or you know kind of figure out what needs to happen and that's what's can be so fun working with each individual dog and then, of course, all their personalities and stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're so complex. I mean, of course, there's, you know, breed standards dog that were bred to do particular things that will be very similar to the last lab or pointer that you worked with, Mm -hmm. but they all have their own personality. And thinking really about what's motivating that behavior. Mm -hmm. Why is that dog acting that way? Why is it lethargic? Why is it not wanting to go into a down is it because it feels vulnerable? Is it because it feels scared about something? They're really so much more complex with their emotions and trying to understand that rather than just, you know, like we said, the ego. If I said down, you better go into a down right now. Mm-hmm. That is, why aren't they? It's disrespectful. Yeah. I wouldn't want to work for someone who treated me that way. Mm-mm. And that's not how you also get respect, I don't think. No. Yeah. Motivation. It's a good word. It's a very good word. There's mm-hmm. lots of, I mean, and really appreciating that the dog is capable of making its own choices and, you know, knowing something, knowing how to do something and doing it are two different things. Mm-hmm. So the the teaching the dog what a word means or what a concept is, that's the easy part, right? They And I actually think they don't get enough credit I mean, in general, but like they pick stuff up a lot faster than even I was taught. I remember I, I, t- I took a lot longer when it took a lot longer to train certain things when I was learning how to train and not, I mean, obviously I was new, so I wasn't as fluent, but I just feel like part of the way that I have evolved over the past almost 15 years 
is that I can teach things a lot faster. Like I recognize that a lot of dogs can move through a lot faster than how I was taught. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of it is what I've realized is letting them think more, letting them process because yeah, most of the time totally. they are processing, yeah. but we're not seeing that. And then we either, you know, you correct too soon or you lure too soon. Mm-hmm. You don't let them figure it out. Totally. Which is just an amazing thing when you I see know. the dog figure it out, that light bulb goes on because you waited that extra five, ten seconds even. Yeah. And then once they get it, then you mark that behavior and then it happens so much faster they're going to want to repeat it. Yeah. That's probably one of the things I was going to ask you about was like what are some of the things that you, you know, the sort of several things that you end up saying over and over and over and over and over again just because they're so – uh, relevant and um, needed for people to hear. And um, that's one of them for me. And I'm almost always with a dog, The uh, my opportunity to show the owner that that thought process is happening is with down. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of when so I was explaining you take it. take the food away, take all the help away, and then they're like, well, wait a second. Why am I doing this? And you have to pause Mm-hmm. and listen and let them kind of have that thought process, right? And it takes a second, and we're not used to that. And, like, if you look at your, okay, this is five seconds. That's five seconds. Mm-hmm. That feels like a really long time. Eric's probably pulling his hair out, like, don't do that on radio. <laughs> Someone's going to come to the station and think something's wrong. Well, to know that the dog is processing it when it doesn't seem like they are. And yes. people, like you said, people aren't used to waiting, yeah. especially in today's day and age yeah. of everything being immediate. You, know, you don't have to pause and wonder about something and be like, oh, what's the weather like today? I'm not going to look outside. I'm going to look at my phone because yeah. I can find it out immediately. I don't have to walk outside. Yeah. I can do five things at once from my phone. I know everything is so fast and working with dogs and living with dogs, I think, are such a wonderful opportunity to help us help remind us that we are also animals and to keep us grounded. And, mm-hmm. and uh, they're, they're such a, um amazing presence in our lives. You know, you look back over history and I, I really firmly believe that we would not be successful as, as humans if it wasn't for our partnership with dogs mm-hmm. over the years, helping us manage livestock and guarding and, giving us the ability to probably for the first time relax a little bit because they were all on the outskirts barking if there was a mm-hmm. cougar a predator, or something, yeah. right? Something. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just incredible. And, and now you said this a little bit earlier, and this would be one of those things in my, my list of things that I say all the time. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about this a lot on the show too before is dogs, there's like an unemployment epidemic in this country for oh, dogs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, a lot of times the root of behavioral challenges is that they don't have a constructive outlet for their mental energy, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the thing is that people just don't realize what they're capable of. And then when oh, they yeah. see that, they're like, oh, wow, yeah, I want to go do a nose work class or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, and once they see the potential of their dog, it's something that either they feel a lot of guilt because, oh, I can't supplement that for them. You know, it's especially, I keep saying this, especially in L.A., but, I mean, it's so different from Washington mm-hmm. because people 
they travel so much because the entertainment business is there. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I've found a lot of my clients is in the entertainment business where they travel and they're gone a lot. So then they have the housekeeper, the nanny, the assistants. There's so many people that are involved in these dogs' life that they don't have consistency. Mm-hmm. And as you know, consistency is so important to a dog's life. Yeah. And if they don't have that, and some clients, once they do see that, they're like, oh, my God, my dog is capable of so much more than what I even imagined. They either feel a lot of guilt because they feel like they can't supplement that, which, you know, then, of course, you give them simple little things to do, teach the dog to find it in the home. Mm -hmm. Just take 10, 15 minutes with them, uninterrupted time with your dog, and teach them something new. Teach them new tricks. Let them think. Let them process. Mm -hmm. And then it seems so much more doable. It doesn't have to be, oh, my God, I have to take my dog sheep herding like every other day. (laughs) Right. Totally. And it doesn't have to be this big, long session. It can be Mm -hmm. five, ten minutes here and there throughout the day whenever you just stop and think. Mm -hmm. Remember to just interact, be present. Yeah. But in a way that's engaging the dog's brain, not just they're not just receptacles for affection. So there is this epidemic now. Doggy daycares and dog parks Mm -hmm. that people think that just taking their dogs there is going to supplement their needs, which it's so chaotic there. Yeah. And it's so unnatural. And, you know, some dogs do great. I'm not saying that all dogs hate it. But I'm with you. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But it's it's so chaotic for the dog and it's so stressful. And the dog comes back tired and exhausted. And, you know, the client thinks, oh, my God, my dog had a great day because they're so tired. They're not moving at all. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. It'd be like being at Disneyland for, you know, however long the boarding stay is. It drive you insane. You're mentally fatigued and physically and overstimulated. There's no time to really even process anything that it's it's hard to communicate that to somebody because they want a tired dog but like you said it's not necessarily just the mental or the physical fatigue it's about mentally exercising them and giving them what they need that way and I get a lot of calls from people who were referred to me from their doggy daycare because the dog is having some sort of problem behavioral problem Mm -hmm. and you know probably most of the time it's because it's not a good fit for the dog. The dog is overstimulated and therefore compromised, stressed or just overly excited. And so their ability to regulate themselves is compromised and they will act out in certain ways as a result of just that, you know, right. overwhelmed. They, yeah, the effects of them as a puppy, too, because you people think, oh, my puppy needs to be socialized, so I'm going to take him to doggy daycare. Yeah, it's socializing them, but probably not in the most healthy way because the dog, the puppy, will learn to have constant stimulation and also learn every dog is going to be an interaction. Mm-hmm. And then later you remove them from that and you're walking the same dog down the street that was playing nicely off leash at daycare is now very reactive on the street because it's frustrated. Can't get to that dog. It didn't learn to just be calm around other dogs mm-hmm. and that not every dog is going to be an interaction. Yeah. I took a aggression seminar with John Rogerson. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah right? And <laughs> yeah. he says that. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that is interesting. He says that he thinks that that's uh, the cause of 
leash leash aggression towards mm-hmm. other dogs, which is so common, right? Oh, so common. And it's like the dog sees another dog and they're just like, oh, and they go into that mm-hmm. mode. And then I think the socialization thing, I talk about that regularly as well, is like dogs are very similar to us in their social structure, right? Mm-hmm. When you socialize, who do you social? Like, what do you do? You get in touch with people who you have relationships with. Mm-hmm. You don't go to a gymnasium full of strangers by yourself and just go play with everybody, right? Or like, like start hey, climbing all over each other. We're yeah. fun. <laughs> like, hey, like, go, yeah, or like hugging, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's you. You interact with individuals who you have relationships with, and hopefully, who you who you like. So there is a chemistry factor too mm-hmm. that's for sure there with dogs, where two dogs just. Don't get along. They don't like each other, just mm-hmm. like how two people can just not get along and nobody's right or wrong. It's just not, they're not jiving. Mm-hmm. Um, but to appreciate this whole idea of socialization, it's quality, not quantity. And I would much rather have a puppy, for example, socialize with other dogs and have the opportunity to interact with different kinds of dogs who are different kinds of ages who they get to develop relationships with right. because that's really how you learn how to interact. Yeah. It's yeah. so much more natural. Yeah. It's something that they can understand. Mm-hmm. And it's at a um, at a rate that is um, absorbable. It's not so overwhelming. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you're in a small space with 50 other dogs. Yeah, you're not like, flooding them. Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah. It's hard, though, because then it's like, well, what? Then the mm-hmm. dog's alternative is that they're home alone for eight hours a day, and that's not what they're designed for either. So it's, you know, it's like this doggy daycare kind of phenomenon is a tough one. Yeah, it is. And that's why it's so important to have a group of people that you can trust. You know, you can have a dog walker that Mm -hmm. is taking the dog out and supplementing their needs in that way and giving them that stimulation that is not overstimulating them or giving them that crazy adrenaline rush and then leaving the dog at home Mm -hmm. after their adrenaline is pumping. Because then the dog's going to be super amped up. So it's hard, but it's not impossible. And I think that that's what people, they get overwhelmed with. They're like, well, I can't do this. I can't do that. Well, what can I do with my dog? Yeah. I just have to crate it for eight hours? And no. Um, okay, so we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to talk with Cora about this uh, Peacock Foundation that you're involved with uh, that pairs uh, therapy dogs with, uh, is it like at-risk youth? Yeah, it's kids that are in the system, that they are in foster care a lot of the times, lower-income schools. Okay. So it sounds like really wonderful work, so we'll uh, switch gears a little bit when we come back. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S.-sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Never miss another episode of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Listen online at dogradioshow.com or download our podcast for free on iTunes or SoundCloud. 
This summer, pack up the dog bowls and head to the Lodges on Vashon. Just a 20-minute ferry ride from West Seattle, Vashon Island is the perfect quick getaway for you, your family, and your furry friend. The Lodges on Vashon has 16 freestanding contemporary lodges, two communal spaces, and plenty of outdoor space to enjoy with your pooch. Go to lodgesonvashon.com for more information, because sometimes your dog needs a vacation too. Ahead of the talk radio curve, naturally. Alternative Talk 1150. And now, back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, and we're talking with Cora Whittakin, who we have in the booth with us, and it's Cora's birthday. Mm-hmm. Happy Thanks. birthday. And I chose to spend it here with you. That's, I was like, oh, I saw that today. I was like, it's her birthday, and I get to see her. That's so great. I get to talk about dogs on my birthday. I know, it's the best. What could be better? Um, so Cora and I, um, Cora was in her apprentice program when I was working at the facility that I did my apprenticeship. I think it had just been a couple years prior to that called the Academy of Canine Behavior up in Bothell. That's where we got our start and then, uh, went off on our own and the rest is, the rest (laughs) is history. Cora owns prestigious pooch down in Los Angeles and you can find her online, um, on her website, prestigiouspooch.com, and uh, she also has a Facebook page for Prestigious Pooch, too. And, and you... Instagram and Twitter. And Instagram <laughs> and Twitter. Uh, I don't use Twitter. Do I don't you... either. I yeah. link it together, so yeah, one does one it. thing, and it all connects. I'm not, I'm not, not good about that. Um, so anyway, you um, have also been involved with therapy dogs for a long time, and you mentioned uh, the Peacock Foundation is an organization that you work with. So tell us a little bit about that. The Peacock Foundation is really incredible. It's, you know, I dogs come natural to me and adults. Kids, not so much. Yeah. So <laughs> it was really something that was different for me because most of my therapy dog work was before with hospice patients and assisted living facility, mostly with elderly patients mm-hmm. and adults. Mm-hmm. So... When they contacted me because they needed somebody to be a tester for them Mm -hmm. to help register the volunteers, the animal and owner volunteers, Mm -hmm. um, I was really intrigued by it because what what they do is they work with low-income schools and at-risk youth, like you said, and kids that are in the system, so kids that are in foster care and have been passed around a lot and haven't had consistency. They've had a lot of hardships in their life. And what the Peacock Foundation does, it pairs therapists with a group of kids, and it's an eight-week program where they incorporate animal-assisted therapy. So most of it is dogs, and that's where I come in as I test the owner and the dog to come in. But they also brought in reptiles before and like a mini horse too. And just to see how the kids interact with them. Some kids could be fearful because they've had bad experiences with dogs or no experience or it's a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. And some of them are really excited. Some of them had loss before. And by having the dog there to facilitate their feelings and how to communicate that it's really incredible to see beginning of the eight-week program to the end of the eight-week program where they actually have to say goodbye to the dog that they become very bonded with. Mm. 
and learning how to say goodbye mm-hmm. and that it was a healthy situation to have had that opportunity. Oh, yeah. Have some have some intentional intentional ending and mm-hmm. opportunity for closure as opposed to, I imagine, at least with foster care, it's just, I bet, abrupt endings, stressful abrupt endings are mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately too familiar for them in their life. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it helps them learn more about themselves, how to communicate, how to interact appropriately, and to, I mean, some of the stuff that comes up in these groups is just incredible, just brought up by having the dog there. Yeah. I know. Aren't they the best? They are. (laughs) Um, Have you heard of courthouse dogs? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I've talked with them a couple times. She was a, a guest in our first year on the air. It was like Episode number 50-something, I think, Ellen O'Neill-Stevens, who's the founder. And uh, it's one of the most impressive organizations. There's some organizations that are just like, you guys are rocking it. Mm-hmm. They're one of them. Beagle Freedom Project oh, is yeah. another one. I was like, you guys are rocking it. Wow, like powerful organizations doing really amazing work. And it's just a, it's that bridge that dogs offer and and the calming effect too that they mm-hmm. can have right the comfort yeah that they can bring of course if it's not an individual that's afraid of dogs specifically but how they facilitate um expression of mm-hmm. of emotions mm-hmm. and uh i think kind of what we were talking about at the beginning of the show in our, our in our work coaching people with their own dogs in resolving behavioral challenges right it's kind of a blessing and a curse, I think, for dogs to have that emotional connection with us and to have such a, a strong heart connection. There's so many powerful ways that they help us heal, help facilitate yeah. healthy expression and communication and help us learn and grow as individuals. Yeah. And then on the other hand, we project all over them. Oh, and, yeah. It's, it you can know. be such a burden for them to carry and that yeah. they're like a sponge. Yeah. You know, if you come home from a hard day of work and you vent to your dog they pick up on that energy and if they have that and you're not giving them anything else to release that they're just going to be compiling all that energy on top of it and you know same thing if if somebody has a dog that they're trying to fulfill another need for in their life could be like a partner a child Mm -hmm. uh, anything like that where it can be really unfair to the dog and it's really great that we can have that relationship with them, but we need to think about what's fair to them. Yeah. I know that with therapy dog work, it's in the conversation a lot. I don't think it's in the conversation enough in the world of service dogs. Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh, Welfare of the dog is something that needs to be talked about more and and that we need to have more awareness about. I think we focus too much about how humans benefit. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, there's a lot of situations where I think dogs suffer in the role of a service dog, but we won't go there today. (laughs) That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, it's a whole other show, Um, which I'm actually going to be doing soon with my wife, who is uh, a service dog welfare advocate. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So, but with therapy dogs, it's really, really well understood that you have to be, as part of the human, the human part of the team, your responsibility is to recognize when your dog needs a break Mm -hmm. or, you know, to really caretake the dog's emotional experience so that they don't get 
tapped out. Oh, I tell people during these meetings about how to be your dog's biggest advocate, Mm -hmm. that you don't just push your dog in a situation because people expect them to be there for them, to pet them and to grab them. And I always talk about positioning yourself so that your dog feels safe. Mm -hmm. So even though a lot of these dogs are, quote unquote, bulletproof, Mm -hmm. even though they're not. Right. I mean, it's just relatively think that they are. Yeah. That you need to make sure your dog always feels safe. And I always use this example with my dog, Alice, who's a retired therapy dog, mm-hmm. who's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> she, we went into a facility and a balloon popped. Mm. And, you know, she kind of stiffened up a little bit, looked around, started to relax a little bit, didn't shake it off yet. Another balloon popped. Oh, man. And, you know, of course, they associate it with whatever was happening at that time. They don't yeah. understand it was a balloon in the corner that popped, it's that I was walking on this particular surface, this person's hand was coming towards me, and I heard a really loud, scary noise. Yeah. So immediately, even though the person wanted to pet her, I said, I'm sorry, I need to step outside with her. She needs a minute. They yeah. stepped outside. She sniffed around, shook it off. Yeah. Kind of walked her around a little bit, see if she's ready to go back in again, if she wanted to go back in again. Right. And she did. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, being able to read your dog and know what is going to be a good experience for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that, too, like just seeing what the dog is, the dog wanting to go back in. Is she if you open the door and then you just like look at the dog, is the dog like, yeah, let's go in mm-hmm. and then actually goes in or is like, no, I don't want to. Yeah. Let them make a choice. Yeah. Being able to read them. Mm-hmm. Totally. Through their actions. Because mm-hmm. they're not verbal. Yes. We're so verbal. Here we are on talk radio. It's It's ironic. <laughs> lamenting about how verbal we are (laughs) but listen to the show listen to us talk sometimes people say do you get this i get this all the time people people think that when i say i have a radio show you know i'm the host of the dog it's like they is it four dogs (laughs) i have it's a dog radio show yeah Yeah. no it's not yeah it's it's not for the dogs to listen to (laughs) um so you are, um, you've got Prestigious Pooch, Facebook page, website, prestigiouspooch.com, Instagram and Twitter as well. <laughs> um, and then you are the co-host of a podcast called The Psychic and the Trainer, which you are the trainer part of that. Uh, I think that's an interesting combination. You can find information about that also through her Prestigious Pooch pages. Um and I certainly look forward to seeing your posts as you continue to practice your martial arts. And you're all, it was one last one, you were climbing up on some guy and then kneeing a pad or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, and I never thought about posting it on my business page, but I really should start doing that, shouldn't I? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I think it would, it would, uh, would it be a little intimidating. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's, of course, the with the conversation we were talking about. Maybe I'll post more of the meditation. There side you of go. It. <laughs> well, you know, and kind of going back to what we have in common is this appreciation of how communicating with dogs is an art of nonverbal communication, much like dance or martial arts, mm-hmm. where you're really aware of how you move energy through your body and how you what quality of energy you generate also, which you could also call emotion, mm-hmm. and how that impacts your presence and what that communicates to whoever is is in your presence as well yeah. and that there's a lot more to just words when you're working with dogs yeah, and definitely. certainly with people too 
Um, <clears throat> all right. Well, just a reminder, there's a, a great talk tomorrow night at the Natural Pet Pantry, uh, May 19th. Go to their website, naturalpetpantry.com. Cora, happy birthday. Thank you very much. And thanks for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and we'll be, uh, we'll be here next week. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.